Amen. Some of those statistics are pretty startling, aren't they? That America spends $40 billion a year just trying to lose weight. I mean, that's incredible when you think about it. Uh, spending more in trash bags. One nuclear weapon can feed for five years a school with tired children. Just an amazing thought. And really, when you think about it, it's just a matter of changing priorities. It's just a matter of getting knowledge and getting the revelation of that knowledge and knowing that we can make a difference. That, that it's not something that's an ideology that can't be realized. That there is enough power in this room with our faith and our understanding in the Word of God that we literally can impact the people that we're in contact with. It's exciting to know that we're not, you know, defeated, that we're not, you know, overwhelmed, but that there is hope, hallelujah, and that there is help for a generation that is scurrying around looking for God. And God is right here in you, and God is right here in me, and we can just let him out. Let's let God have a field day. Let's just let God be God all by himself, amen? And let the Lord have his way and not our way. And I'm excited about this conference. This conference of 18 to 28 or 30 or however old. And we're going to mix the teenagers in there with them as well. Beulah Beach has got a rich history. If you're not familiar with them, way back in the late 1800s, this camp was formed. Some of the greatest preachers that ever preached in America preached at that old chapel right there on the lake in Vermilion, Ohio. It's got a rich history of the presence of God that have visited that place time and time again. Mom and Dad, please listen to me for a moment. I was a youth pastor for many years, and I understood that my young people that were attached to my ministry, it was the most impactful time is when I could get them away for two or three days, get them in a cave called the Dulem, let the presence of God just touch their life, and there they were transformed. Kids' lives were literally saved. They were changed. They were called to ministry. They were so impacted by the Spirit of the Lord. So don't let this opportunity slip by you. You say, well, yeah, but about the money and what about this? And I don't know about transportation and my kids don't really want to go. I think you should pray about it and say, you know what? I want you to go. I want you to do this for me. I want you to be there. I can remember a time that we took a couple of kids, it's probably about 50, into a weekend retreat. And they didn't want to be there. It was our high school. We had a high school at one time, a church on the North Coast. And the juniors and seniors, they didn't want to go. But they were made to go because it was part of the school curriculum. And they were all standing in the back with their hands folded. They were resisting the Spirit of God. I'm telling you what, the anointing moved in there. And we just didn't have an hour service or a 45-minute little teaching. We were there from 6 o'clock and all night long, early in the morning. And one by one, they dropped their hands standing up against the wall and began to make their way to the altar. Tears began to flow and their hearts were broken in the presence of God. And their lives were never the same again. That's what you can expect at this, at this retreat. And also 18 to 28-year-olds are that particular age group. You're in a decade called decision. You're going to make the three most important decisions that will affect the rest of your life during those 10 years. Number one, whether or not you're going to serve God or you're going to serve the God of this world. Number two, whether or not you're going to marry the right person or the wrong person. 
How many know that if you marry the wrong person, you'll pay for it for the next 20 years? Understand what I'm talking about. And you'll also make a decision for your vocation, what you'll do in life. That's why you need to be in the presence of God. Hid away for two or three days under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And let God begin to speak to you about where he wants you to go. Let him speak to you about that mate that you're gonna, God's going to bring into your life. And about your personal walk with God. Moms and dads, I can't encourage you enough. Find a way. If you have to sell bottle caps and and, and tin cans and you have to collect scrap and take it to the market to get the money, I'd do it. If you have to have a car wash on the corner, I mean, if they do it for cheerleading outfits, we ought to be able to think, you know what? I can do it to send my child to this weekend away to believe God that they're going to be touched by the Holy Ghost. So don't say you don't have the money. You just don't have the will to get the money. So let's believe God for this weekend. I'm I'm expecting July 16th, 17th, and 18th for a move of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, I love the Lord so much. I'm just not real comfortable with Him when He changes my sermon. Because I had a really good message for this morning. I don't know. We'll have to measure it today. But I had three powerful points independence from the sin that bound me and dependence upon the God that lifts me and interdependence upon the church that brings comfort to me. I said, God, that's a powerful sermon of the saving power of Jesus. He said, that's good, but put it away. That's not for Sunday. (laughs) Thank God I wasn't all the way done with it, but it just didn't click in my spirit. And the Lord began to speak to me about people that will be here this morning. Or about people that will be here that know somebody that's going to need this word. Because I have to make an announcement this morning. You may not believe it. You may not even agree with it. But God is in trouble. Some people say America's in trouble. Some people say teenagers are in trouble. Some people say the government's in trouble. But I want to announce to you today that God is in trouble. I've got to tell you a story about a photographer. He was a photographer in National Magazine, was assigned to get the photos of these great forest fires out west. Perhaps you've seen them. Acres and acres are just being devoured by fire. And they can't seem to arrest it, can't seem to stop it. And smoke at the scene hampered him from getting the kind of pictures that he really wanted to get. So he called his office and said, look, you're going to have to hire a plane for me in order for me to get an aerial view if you want these shots. They called back and said, look, we've made an arrangement at the nearby airport. And all you've got to do is just get there and the plane will be waiting the moment you arrive. So he arrived at the airport and sure enough, the plane was there on the runway. So he jumped in the plane, looked over at the guy next to it and he said, Hey, come on, let's go, let's go, we got to get going. The guy jumped in and off they went. Before you know it, they were up in the air. He said, Listen, I want you to take three or four low-level passes around that fire on the north side. The pilot said, Why? Why would, why would you want me to do that? He said, because I'm a photographer, man. I want to take some pictures of this, of this fire, this enormous fire. I'm going to take pictures. I'm a photographer, and that's what photographers do. After a pause, the pilot said, well, you mean you're not the instructor? Now, how many know that he was in trouble? There's a difference between being in trouble on the ground and being trouble in the air. I'd say being in trouble on the ground is trouble, but being trouble in the air is big trouble. 
So I've got to say to us today that God is in trouble. It's like the little boy that added to his prayer one night. He said this. He said, God, please take care of yourself. Because if anything happens to you, we're in a world of trouble. <laughs> or if you could kick the person responsible for the, for the most of your troubles in your life in the backside, you probably wouldn't be able to stand up for the next two weeks. I want to say again, God is in trouble. The Bible says this, God is a refuge and a strength. Psalm 46, 1 to 3. A very present help in trouble. Therefore we'll not fear even though the earth be removed and even the waters be carried in the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. You see, whenever you're in trouble, God's right there with you. I thank God that he's in trouble today. He doesn't run from trouble. He doesn't hide from trouble. But he seeks out trouble. And the Bible says that every time you and I are in it, God is right there with us. So indeed, ladies and gentlemen, God is in trouble this morning. We need to hear this message today because our world is rocking. Our world is reeling. People are in storms of stress and storms of sorrow. Storms of sighing and becoming overwhelmed with life's problems. The doomsayers are telling us in television that a nuclear strike is imminent from North Korea. A renegade dictator in Iran could at any moment cause a flare-up in the Middle East. With world proportions of nuclear war. Russia being the sleeper nation. Aggressive once again under the cloak of peace. The American economic system, the dollar, we're not really sure where it's going. Some would say if we keep spending at this level, the whole economy of America is going to collapse. You know, I'm not really concerned about that. Because I understand something, that America is in trouble. And we don't know, we don't know that there would be some terrorist act tomorrow. That would poison our water system or, or somehow hamper our electrical grid where we wouldn't have power. And suddenly we find ourselves in a different kind of an America. We can't seem to find the people that we've trusted to give us the right answers. People like Bernie Madoff, who we thought that we could make our investment with, suddenly is nothing but a schemer and stealing multiplied billions from people that probably should have known better. We thought that perhaps if we had a new administration in, everything would be stimulated and things would be much better. But we're finding out that Congress is still confused. And they're really not in a direction. We're finding that if we can throw money at stuff, that things will respond. Well, let me tell you something. What our children need today is not more toys and more things. What they need is time. What they need is us. And what this nation needs today is not more spending, but it needs more time. It needs more God. It needs more relationship. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here to try to politicize the situation or try to you know, provide some kind of economic forecast to, to create a, a change so that all of us can live a more quality life and our children can have a more secure future. What I'm trying to announce today is that indeed I agree with everybody. America is in trouble. There may be people in here this morning who have found their finances collapsing, their jobs furloughed. They might find their marriages fracturing. They might find their children rebelling. They might see their health failing. 
you might be in trouble today. And while I have compassion for you, and while I have empathy for what you're going through, I understand in one sense I'm saying it's all right because God is a very present help in times of trouble. And America is going to find God like they've never found Him before. We are on the brink and on the horizon of a major encounter with a living God that they've been looking for for years. It's not going to be the evangelist. It's not going to be a church denomination. It's not going to be some kind of spiritual move of healing. No, it's going to be America and the church included in trouble. And when they look to the right and they look to the left and they can't seem to find their way out, suddenly God reveals himself and he says, I'm a present help in time of your trouble. So in one sense I say, come on God, bring it on. Let trouble come, let trouble surround me because my heart will not fail because I know that I stand upon the rock. And all the ground around me might be sinking sand. But today I believe that I can take the master's hand and I can stand firm on the promises of God. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to be with you in times of trouble. Look at Psalm 62, ladies and gentlemen, and verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. The psalmist said in Psalm 91, that infamous scripture of which we've quoted so many times in various applications, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. You know, you can't really say that. Oh, you can read it. But you really can't say it until you need a refuge. Until you need a shelter. Until you need a covering of his wing. See, when I've been in my life and I've been running and I've been, and I've been looking and I've been seeking a place of shelter and refuge and safety. When I found it, I'm able to say, surely God has been good to me. America's about to find the covering wing of God Almighty. America is about to find the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, church, we're going there first. Hallelujah. So don't you be dismayed. You may be in trouble today, but God sent me to tell you that God is a very present help in times of trouble. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God's with you. He'll never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. Come on, give him a high five and say, God is a good God all the time. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I like that song of Mary. She said, be it done unto me, O Lord, according to your word. You know, we got to have confidence in God that we're in the right place at the right time, in the right circumstances. And even though my world may be crumbling, and even though I may be crumbling, God is able to hold things together. I believe that God's going to hold some things together. And he put this burden in my mind, in my heart, to be able to express to us as a church today. Why? Because once we get it together, we're on assignment. 
We're about to go into the world, in the highways and byways, and say you can't look to government, you can't look to religion, you can't look to history, don't look to money. Look to God, who is a very present help in times of trouble. It's hard to tell somebody about a shelter when you've really never needed one. It's hard to tell somebody about clothing and covering when you've never been naked. It's hard to have compassion for someone who's been incarcerated and locked up in a four by six cell unless you've laid your head down in that place. And for some reason, God is preparing his people uniquely as they've traversed through the storms of life and they're still standing and they're weathered and they're beaten and they're dripping wet from the rains, but they're still standing. God's setting it up, church, for the end time revivalists that this world is yet to see. They've seen them operate in the gifts of the Spirit. They've seen them operate in faith. They've seen them operate in all kinds of religious jargon. But there's not been a church who's been through the battle and weathered the storm and found God to be the help in the time of their trouble who was able to stand up and say, let me tell you what God has done for me. The psalmist in 62 and 7 said, In God is my salvation and my glory, the God of my strength, and my refuge is in God. You see, he's our shelter in the storm of stress. A life that's hid away in God is as safe as God can make it. Let me make this announcement. Someone once said this, Today is the tomorrow you've been worrying about yesterday. So many of us feel like we're not going to make it tomorrow. Life's going to fall apart. We're not going to be able to stand. But I just have to announce to you, today is the tomorrow you were worried about yesterday. And you're still standing. (laughs) I know you're going to amuse me. But you got to tell somebody, you're still standing, baby. Come on, encourage them. You're still here, Robert. You're still here, baby. Come on. I know you've been through some trouble, but you're still here. Look, look, look. Mama and them counted me out. All my friends said it's over. Huh? Come on. My lawyer, my doctor, my brother, everybody, they said forget about it. Pack it up. You might as well move on out. You're not going to make it. But I've got to tell you something. My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever I could think or what I could ask. And He's showing Himself strong. Say with me, my God is a very present help in times of trouble. Amen. I just want you to get that in your spirit this morning. Because in storms of stress, stress financially, stress maritally, stress with your businesses, stress with even your faith in God, He is a help in times of stress. God is such a powerful God, He shines in stressful situations. God shows Himself big when everything else is bigger than you. When everything else seems to be overwhelming in your life. I like the Message Bible as he records for us these words of encouragement in Matthew 6. and verse 25 to 34. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, 
it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at meantime, mealtimes, or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There's far more to your life than food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your head, on your body rather. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. Careless in the care of God, and you count far more to Him than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much of an inch? At this time, all this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. Everybody say, shabby. No, you didn't say, you didn't, you didn't say it right. Shabby. There you go. They look shabby. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, <laughs> most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. Well, I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Not to be so preoccupied with getting. So you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality. God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Now, give your attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will deal, will help you deal with whatever hard times or hard things come up when the time comes. You know, Israel was an incredible nation. When they recorded in Deuteronomy 4 and 7, they said, hey, everybody, do you believe that we're such a nation that God is so near to us, that the, Lord is, that the Lord is so near to us that for whatever reason we can call upon Him? Did you know how privileged we are as a church? That for whatever reason, that God is so near that for whatever reason, all you got to do is call upon Him. And He's that close to the mention of His name. If you and I will just call upon the name of God. You know, God specializes in trouble. God specializes in the storm of stress. And he specializes in the storm of sorrow. The storm of sorrow. Some, no doubt, in this room have had to bury their own children. It ought not to be that a mother or father would live beyond the day of their own child. But sorrow grips the heart and crushes the soul in that moment. Words fail any preacher or any friend to try to bring solace and comfort during those moments. It's a storm of sorrow. You might want to say it's trouble like none other. But God is still the God that's present in that kind of trouble. Perhaps sorrow over a lost friend or a spouse of longevity in marriage. Living 40 years together and finally waking up one day and it's just you. It's no longer you and him or he and you. But now it's just you alone. Clothes have been cleaned out of the closet. You now drive in your car by yourself. 
the storm of sorrow. And while many years removed and you think, you know what, I've gotten over it. Once in a while, sorrow begins to well up in your soul and tears overwhelm you. And you find yourself confronted right in the middle of the storm as, at, as if it had happened that morning. God is a very present help in times of trouble, in times of sorrow. It was like this in John 11 and verse 28 when the Bible tells us that the teacher had come and he's calling for you. You see, it was the story of Lazarus. You know it well. I don't have to rehearse it. But the point is this. Word came to Jesus that his friend Lazarus was sick and was about to die. But he remained two more days and die he did. By that time, it was too late because the report came, Master, don't trouble yourself for Lazarus is dead. You see, it was that servant who hadn't been to school of the Spirit because God doesn't trouble himself. Our trouble troubles him. And he heard the cry of trouble and made his way to the place of death where certainty had set in, irreversible, unfixable, set in stone. This was impossible. As he approached the home of Mary and Martha, Martha found him and began to tell him, Master, had you been here? Had you been here? If you just had been here. Why weren't you here? You could have saved him. And in the middle of storms, in the middle of stress, we all feel that way, don't we? God, if you'd just be here. If you'd have been here before I made that mistake. If you'd have been here before they got killed. If you'd have been here before I lost my job. If you'd have been here, God. You know you could have fixed it, God. But he said, I was there. I'm a very present help in time of trouble. But you allowed trouble to get bigger in your life than the God of trouble. by this time Martha was saying I know he'll live he'll live on the day of resurrection and Jesus said no only believe by this time the word had gotten to Mary because she was in the house too overcome with grief and couldn't even come out to come back to church couldn't even go to God couldn't even talk to him because sometimes the storms of stress and sorrow are so overwhelming we can't see beyond our pain and out came Mary running. Is it really him? Is it really Jesus? And the first question she asked was a repeat of what Martha had asked. Lord, had you been here? If you'd have just been here. And suddenly Jesus was overwhelmed with emotion. Suddenly Jesus was overwhelmed with the sorrow and the pain and the compassions of others. And the Bible says he began to mourn with them. There's something about a Savior that we have who understands the frailties that you and I feel, who understands the pains that we go through, who cries the tears that you and I find wet our own faces in the middle of the night, who still grip us unknowingly and unsuspectingly to remind us of the sorrow and the loss and the stress that we're going through and takes our breath away. I don't know what I'm through, God. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? 
That kind of pain. The pain that you can't identify and you can't talk about. And the pain that nobody else can understand and cannot define. No counselor can work you through it. And no deliverance team can bring you peace. You think God had only been here. In that infamous verse, Jesus wept. And while tears still coming down his face, while the Son of God, your Redeemer, Savior Jesus, who died upon the cross, while tears wet his face, he said, roll away the stone. Everybody knew there that this was already done. It's a done deal. Signed. The certificate's over. It's two days. I mean, this man now stinks. That was the writer's testimony. He included that in the story. This man's going to stink because his body's already decomposing. And Jesus said, roll away the stone. And the moment that he did that, the entire congregation gasped of the odor that was so repulsive. (sighs) I smell death. And sometimes... The closest avenue, the quickest gain, the way we have entrance to the place of pain is to expose it all over again. And we think, God, just leave the stone capped over it because I'm learning to live with what I've lost. And God said, no, you're not going to live with what you lost because I'm the God that's come to restore. And sometimes we feel like we just want to leave it capped over. And I don't know about you, but when Lazarus came forth from the tomb, I've got to think that he must have been wearing the latest gentleman's cologne. Because it didn't take long before they all ran to him to unwrap him and let him go. And suddenly the stench of death and loss was changed into victory. The tears turned into triumph and the loss turned into gain. God sent me here with a message today to tell you, whoever it is, and it may only be one, that if you're going through a stress storm or a sorrow storm, that God is a very present help in trouble and that He's here to meet you in a very peculiar way. Now, I know our theology has often misguided us because we have assumed through the teaching of the pulpit that we will never have sorrow or stress. But I've learned something in the scripture. You see, the real key is there has to be a transformation. There has to be a change of mindset. I taught Wednesday about the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And it must return to the house of God because it's the basis, it's foundational, it's the principal thing in the anointing of fullness. That without the spirit of the fear of the Lord, we can't operate in wisdom, revelation, understanding, might, or counsel, or even the spirit of the Lord. For it is the beginning 
of wisdom. It is the beginning of knowledge. And knowledge will lead to might. And how did we define that? We defined it by simply saying, the fear of the Lord is reverential awe for God and a submission to His control and His lordship over our lives. Oh, the missing piece. Submission. Went on to say in John chapter 8 and verse 29 that Jesus never did a thing that did not please His Father. And I gave illustration of how At times I'll do things that I know won't please Tina. But I choose to do them. And the reason why I choose to do them because it pleases me and I don't care. That is a loss of the fear of the Lord. So it was with the director of the YMCA. His name, George McCausland probably irrelevant to most of us, but he was serving as the director of the YMCA and was losing members and had financial difficulties and terrible staff problems. He found himself working 85 hours a week. He was getting little sleep at night and took little time off. And when he was off, what did he do? He was worrying and fretting about the problems of the YMCA. The counselor told George that he was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and if he didn't get help, it would probably kill him. He had to learn somehow to let go and somehow let God into his problems. And he wasn't sure on how to do that. You see, that's not the problem for most of us as a church. We know we've got to let go and we know we've got to let God, but how? How do I do that, Pastor? I've quoted every scripture I know. I've read, I've prayed, I've fasted. I've, how do I do this? What do I do? And George took an afternoon off to seek God. He took a pad and a paper and went into the woods. And he walked through these woods. He could feel his tight body and his tight neck beginning to relax. He sat down under a tree and sighed for the first time in months. He got out his pad and paper and he decided that he would let go of the burdens of his life. And he wrote God a letter. And this is what he penned. Dear God, today I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Love, George. <laughs> there it is. I want us all to submit our resignations today as managers of your universe. And then he said, smiling, and wonder of all wonders, God accepted my resignation. <laughs> he didn't even argue. Oh, no, please, can't do without you. Please don't resign. <laughs> he accepted my resignation. Come on, look over at somebody and said, he accepted his resignation. Look back at him and say, and he'll accept yours if you'll give it to him. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You say, why does the preacher have to make me talk to somebody in church? The psalmist said this in Psalm 18 in verse 32. Hang with me a few minutes and I promise to let you go. It is God that girdeth me with strength and make my way perfect. 
Can we read it together? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. That word is an interesting word because gird in the Hebrew means to bind in such a way that it will never come apart. Now think of it with me for a moment. It is God that binds me in such a way with strength that I will never come apart and makes my way perfect. Oh, you mean when I'm falling to pieces? When I'm being torn by circumstances? When I'm being ripped apart by accusation from others? God will bind me together with strength and make my way perfect. Now watch this church because this is important. Don't miss this point. I did an illustration once about the saving, keeping power of God. And I ripped this material down the middle and then glued it back together again. And I said to the strongest young men that were in the room, come and rip this apart at the tear. And they pulled and they tugged and they pulled and they tugged and it ripped on the right of that rip and it ripped on the left of that rip. But where it had been torn became stronger than the material itself. Now this scientists say is a molecular transformation that takes place when there has been a rip, a tear, a break in any material and you apply an adhesive to it. Because of that molecular structure, even if it is a very smooth surface beneath the naked eye, Beyond our ability to see, there are cracks and crevices and valleys within that material. And when you apply the adhesive, it becomes cohesive. And suddenly, this miracle takes place of molecular transformation. And that tear becomes stronger than the original material. You see, there's times when I go through things in my life and I think, God, I'm being ripped. I'm being torn. I'm on the floor. You might as well take a piece of paper and rip it into a million pieces. That's my life. God said, yes, that's your life without me. But when I gird you with my strength, When I bind you together, put the definition back up. When I bind you together in a way that will never come apart, you will walk away from that tearing experience in life. A strong conqueror in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, church. You may feel like a pile of torn paper this morning. (laughs) Your body may be feeling frail and weak from sickness and disease. Your marriage may be tottering and teetering on the brink of destruction. Your business may be going under for the last count and can't find another client. 
if you'll resign as the general manager of the universe, God will gladly, (laughs) don't make me happy, accept your resignation and get his big squirt bottle of glue, adhesive, and put the pieces back together again. And when you see me, you may say, oh, look, I can see a crack in that boy. And you may find one. If I took my shirt off, you may find more than one. You may look at me and say, oh, look, I see pieces like some of our artifacts around our house. For my wife is excellent in gluing things back together with 11 grandchildren who come storming and stressing through our house. She quickly goes and gets super glue. And we just turn the vase to the backside. And it stands proudly holding the beautiful flowers of God's creation. And if you were to walk to the backside of my life and say, ooh, ooh, ah, that must have hurt. Ooh, that's not, why don't you get a new one? (laughs) You've got to understand something about girding. Why would I get something new that's so weak when I can have something old that has been put back together that's so strong? You may not look like much. You may have a few cracks, tears, and rips, but baby, I'd rather hang out with you any day than anybody that's never been through trouble before in their life. It's all right. If you've been through trouble, God's going to fix you. Woo! God's going to work it out. Woo-hoo! Hallelujah! <laughs> Woo! What a great God we serve! Woo! I like Paul when he was with Festus he said I think myself happy he was preaching to him trying to get him converted and all of a sudden Paul had church glory to God help me help me help me help me preaching myself happy here this morning I used to be embarrassed of my cracks embarrassed of my torn places I tried to cover them up I didn't want you to see them. I didn't want nobody else to know. I want you to think I was perfect without imperfections, without cracks, without problems. I had it covered up. I wear a robe. I think that's why some of those preachers wear their robes. I think that's why. I'm not sure, but I think that's why. Oh, I'm about to put shorts on next week. Let you see these old hairy legs. You say, oh, put them pants back on. All cracked up and bruised. Yeah, but I double dog dare to try to tear this old boy apart. Because what tore me apart in this world may have done it once. But after God intervened and I found him to be my help in trouble and he put me back together again, there is no way you're ever going to pull this apart again. Because I found the shelter of the Most High God. I don't know why. I don't know why. God gave me this message on the 4th of July. 
when we were celebratory and family reunions and picnics, somehow I felt the burden of the Lord for somebody who needed to be comforted. The psalmist said in Psalm 46 and verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains carried into the midst of the sea. Ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a level of peace that we're going to walk in. I'm talking about the earth. The earth. Moving. He is here for the broken. And we're still standing. Life to the one who is God's here for the broken. That might be you. He is peace to the wounded. And hope for the helpless one. And it may be you that's wounded. Why don't you lift a hand up and worship him? standing in trouble and you're looking for God's girding of strength we just want to pray for you keep it playing but I just want you to stand where you are if you say pastor I need that prayer boy I found myself in trouble but I'm believing that God is going to do a great work in my life come on altar ministers elders come on across the front of this auditorium turn it back up stand across the front everybody stand up to your feet Upon the Lord. God is here for you today. God designed this service Be just for you. My soul. So if you need that prayer, Be come on from where you are right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. For whatever the reason, come on. Right now. Just come on before the Lord. As we wait upon Him, as we worship Him, as we continue to bless Him, as we continue to glorify Him. Thank you, Lord, because you are now moving in the hearts of your children your hearts of your people, in the hearts of your children right now, you are bringing a confidence and a rest and a peace. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, Father. Thank you for your peace. He is here for the broken. Thank you, Lord. Life to the one who is undone. Thank you, Lord. He is peace to the wounded and hope for the helpless one. He is here. Thank you, Lord. He is here. He is here. Be still, my soul. Be still. Come on, let the Holy Spirit minister to you right where you're standing. Be still, my soul. Be still. Come on, let Him minister to you right now, right where you're standing. Let God be God in your life. Be still, my soul, be still. When the waves rise against me and the wind tries to draw me away, I will stand on the mountain. Safe in your arms, I will sing, I will sing. Be still, my soul, be still. Be still, my soul, be still. Wait patiently. no doubt God by His Holy Spirit is ministering to you at the seat as well. But come on, let's pray for each other. Lord God, thank you this morning, Father, that you are here. Thank you right now, Lord God, that you are in the midst of our trouble, that you are a very present help in the time of trouble, that we are not dismayed, that we are not anxious, we are not, oh God, overwhelmed. For we know, Father, that if we have been torn, you will heal us. If we have been, oh God, broken, you will bring us back together again. I thank you that you are the God of all comfort. Now minister to my friends this morning, God. Lift them up into the presence of the renewing, strengthening, undergirding of God. And let this be a day of restoration. 
and renewal and healing in Jesus' name. Anchor the soul of the one that's in trouble today in Jesus' name. Anchor the one that's in trouble in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's just listen to that song one more time. Worship right where you're standing. Take that person that you love by the hand. Pray for them. Say, you know what? God is good all the time. He's going to bring us through this stuff. We're going to see the victory in Jesus' name. I will stand on the mountain, safe in your arms. I will sing. room with the assurance that God is with us in times of trouble. So go out with a joyful heart and an encouraged heart that God loves us so much that he's willing to be a God of trouble. We love you. We're praying for you. Wednesday night in Solon. I look forward to seeing you. 7 o'clock. Corners of Aurora and Solon Road at 7 p.m. Live right, love everybody. Pray hard. We'll see you then. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. One second, one second. Yes, sir. Okay, let me, let me share this word real quickly. Can we have a microphone other than this one? Do you have a mic someplace? Okay. Be still. Here we go, John. Thanks. Sorry. Got it. Oh, we got too many now, huh? Okay, thank you. Test, test. This is Steve, by the way. Uh, the Lord gave me this word on Tuesday after a pastor's message last week. Um, I got a vision of the property that the pastor was talking about. And uh, from that location, uh, the Lord gave me a vision of just streams of light uh, going out all throughout Ohio. And I asked the Lord, does it go any further? He says, well, not right now. <laughs> not yet. But, but I just want to share this today. And if you guys would just receive this in your spirit. Uh, this is what the Lord says. He says, church on the north coast be ready. Surely the time is at hand for an outpouring of my spirit. 
You have been faithful for many years. I am closing doors, for I desire change, says the Lord. I have initiated change in your midst. Do not fear, for it is for your good. I have surely placed this land in your laps. It is in a strategic location. I will surely unlock the potential in this land, says the Lord. The light of my spirit will go forth from this new location. Claim it now, says the Lord. Move forward to receive this gift, says the Lord. I will drop the price, and you will receive more than you have asked for. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out in abundance upon you. I have put this vision into my servant to show you what I'm about to do. This state of Ohio will see this great light coming forth. It will be as a beacon. Act according to my word, and I will surely bless you, says the Lord. And he also has this message for pastor. He says, upon entering the building, you must drive out and rebuke all that has taken place there. Sanctify the building and the land for my use. Do not worry, for the finances will be provided. Rejoice, for I have great plans for this church. My work here is not finished, but it's just beginning through you. Amen. Thank you for that, sir. God's peace to everybody. Shalom. Say shalom to somebody on your way out.